APADA acknowledges the custodians and elders past and present of the land on which we work, practice, rehearse, perform and present across Australia. We pay respect to the cultural authority and traditions of the land. The first peoples of this nation express their culture through music, dance and storytelling and it is a privilege to continue a tradition of storytelling and performance in this country. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first Australians and traditional custodians of the land where we live, learn and work. Hello and welcome to the Australian Performing Arts Teachers Association APADA podcast. My name is Angela Lowe and I am Managing Producer for Camerata, Queensland's Chamber Orchestra and today I am your guest host. It gives me great pleasure to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Johnny NG. Johnny is Principal Second Violin and Education Manager for Camerata, regularly tours with Music Aviva as part of their schools program, is strings coordinator and piano teacher at St Margaret's Anglican Girls School and regularly tutors for the Queensland Youth Orchestra and is also an examiner for the Australian Music Examinations Board. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. Thank you for having me. So we're here today to talk, talk about your your work in the arts, specifically in music. So where did it all begin for you? Where did little Johnny start his adventure? <laughs> well, my journey in music, um, it kind of just happened. It began in, when I was in year three. Um, the whole class was given a little random test, which I didn't realise till much later in life was a music aptitude test. Uh, and then a handful of those students who obviously scored pretty highly in that test um, were given a violin to learn for the year. Um, So I had a year of uh, group lessons in the Year 3 Strings program at my primary school, and then uh, after that my parents found a private uh, one-on-one teacher for me. Uh, And then a couple of years later my parents bought my brother and I a keyboard for Christmas, which I quickly claimed as my own. Um, and I kind of taught myself how to play uh, and begged my parents for lessons. And they kind of resisted for quite a few years because I was already having uh, lessons on the violin and that's quite an expensive um, thing, but they eventually caved. Um, and so I started getting piano lessons as well. Um, so thinking back on those early years, um, music really was my first love and it really grew into a true passion of mine. And so when, at what point in that journey did you realise you wanted to do something professionally in music? Oh, uh, well, I had so many um, wonderful performance opportunities through school and also through youth music organisations like Queensland Youth Orchestra and Australian Youth Orchestra. Um, And I vividly remember my first year when I was 15 in Queensland Youth Symphony um, that whole first year was filled with uh, frisson, if you know what that is. That's kind of the goosebumps or the spine tingles you get when you 
listen to or, or play music. Um, and that really had a huge um, impact on me. Uh, and also some of my first ever professional uh, music concerts I went to um, had a big impact too. So I remember very vividly um, QSO performing Shostakovich's 10th Symphony, which I later got to perform a couple of years later um, with QIO. Um, and also I got to see the Goldner String Quartet, and this was the first time I'd ever seen um, new Australian music. They were playing almost all of Peter Scolthorpe's String Quartets, and I, um, I was just so amazed at their mastery of their instruments um, and also the kind of effects, sound effects and, and kind of thing like the seagull sound you can make on the cello. Um, that kind of really blew my mind. So a lot of those... Um, professional concerts that experiences in my younger years really had a big impact and that kind of I think it really inspired me to want to become a professional musician. And so do you mostly listen to classical music or do you also cross over into contemporary music and other things as well? Yeah yeah definitely um, I like to think I have an eclectic taste in music um, Hold on, let me pull up my most recently played <laughs> list on my phone. It's going to be Beyonce, I've got a feeling. <laughs> Is it Beyonce? Some of it's Beyonce, yeah. I, I, I used to love Destiny's Child. <laughs> they so, are the best. <laughs> they are they really are the good. Best. So just some of the songs here. Look, Alabama Shakes, Groove Amata, um, oh, Valerie, cool. Mark Ronson, Amy Winehouse, that cover. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, Rosalia, uh, there's a lot of there is a lot of classical as well. So I, um, another one on here is actually um, oh, there's some musical theatre kind of numbers as well. Of from, course, <laughs> so of so course. many so uh, many influences, and it's amazing yeah. how diverse string instruments can actually be too. Of course, it's not yeah. just all about classical music, is it? That's right. That's right. And mm. I I like to think that I keep my mind and ears open to, to discovering new music. Actually, one of, um, one of a, a really great experience that I had in Camerata that really kind of um, reinforced that I need to keep my, my mind open to new music was um, back in 2011, we did a tour for Queensland Music Festival uh, called uh, Classic Country with four country musicians. So it was Graham Connors, Melinda Schneider, Catherine Britt and uh, Adam Harvey. And... You know, back then I just used to think country music wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but after doing that tour and performing and, um, yeah, I just, it really changed my um, changed my view on country music and I really have a, a wonderful appreciation for it. Um, and, um, yeah, a lot of those songs actually ended up on my touring playlist that you have to I be know. subjected to on our, on our, <laughs> on our long, tours together. On our long car ride. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So let's start with education, obviously something clearly very close to your heart considering mm -hmm. the, the um, positions that you hold. When did you realise that you did want to teach? Because I suppose it can't be assumed that all artists want to teach, that all musicians want to do that. So when did that come about? Like how did you feel that connection to do that? Yeah, uh, look, my first foray into teaching was sort of like my – my first, um, where my musical journey began, it kind of just happened. Um, I was 17 and a, and a family um, dinner party, family gathering, and um, one of the parents found out that I was a musician and I played violin and piano and um, they asked me if I 
wanted to teach their daughter piano and it wasn't something I was really, I hadn't even thought about. Um, Mum gave me the gentle elbow. <laughs> Go on, you should do this. And earn like, some money. Earn some money, please. <laughs> Contribute. <laughs> um, and so um, I had got my first student and um, look, that didn't really, to be honest, that didn't really last very long because I was just so very inexperienced. Um, but, you know, years later after I built my studio up, um, I, I, I kind of um, found out after students were progressing and, um, you know, they were successful in performances and exams and that kind of thing, I felt like, yeah, I can do this and I like this and I can also make a difference. Um, it's a, kind of sounds deep, but make a difference in the world. Um, sometimes, uh, like I feel like, private music teachers are in a really privileged position where we get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with um, a young person uh, every week. Uh, and I sometimes feel like I need to have a psychology degree because sometimes the lessons just end up being a big D&M. Um, but I feel like uh, if, you know, if there's only one thing I've done with that person is to teach them how to be a good human, then then I feel like I've achieved something. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, I know yeah. when I was young and did music lessons, I certainly really appreciated having another adult to talk to that wasn't my parents, who at times I thought were very uncool. So I definitely can connect with what you're saying about that. It's very true. Mm. And, mm. Um, yeah, it's a great stress reliever music, if, if nothing else, even if it's not something that you pursue down the track. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's a wonderful outlet. Let. Yeah, that's all right. So looking at your role as education manager for Camerata, so Camerata tours annually throughout Queensland each year with the support of the Queensland Government through Arts Queensland and the Tim Fairfax Family Foundation. Camerata has developed a comprehensive touring program, including an education and community engagement activity, as well as a performance program. So as education manager, so taking off your playing hat for a moment, what is it that you like about touring with Camerata as an example? Um, oh, look, I just, I just love touring. Um, apart from, you know, being able to spend time in areas that I just would never have imagined that I would be visiting around Queensland, um, I, I feel like it's, it's so fulfilling uh, to be able to develop lasting com uh, connections that we build with these communities that we visit. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, in the big smoke, students are oversaturated with live arts performances, but um, in some of these towns, they've never had a live professional musician, let alone a whole string orchestra perform. Um, so you, you can't really underestimate, you can never underestimate the power that um, that experience um, is for the first time for, for some of these people. Um, and, but not only that, I think we, the, the things that we provide through our education program um, are, are just, so, just so important um, in community building um, and with being able to give back to the community. Yeah, no, definitely. And for teachers and students, there's obviously wonderful benefits to having an orchestra like Camerata visit as well. That's that's right. Yeah. So between apart from um, all the all the artists being professional musicians and being just wonderful um, players in their own right, uh, between us we have almost three hundred years of teaching experience. Um, uh, 
people, there, there are NEB examiners um, like myself, um, there are people who teach at the con, um, yeah, people who just specialise in, in various um, aspects in music education and um, to be able to bring that to, to a town that um, might be staffed of that, um, that kind of uh, resources is a really wonderful thing. Now, of course, um, this year's situation with um, COVID has affected Camerata's ability to tour. In mm. fact, I think you would have nearly been on tour. I have to think of the dates, but I yeah, think pretty, yes, in the, next, in the next couple of days, we would have. So departed. hopefully, hopefully that will will come about. But um, tell us about Camerata's road program because I know that that. Um, is something that's been currently trialled and it's at perfect time because the tour couldn't actually happen. So it's kind of a COVID mm. response, but it's also something that uh, you've seen from Turin some demand from teachers and things. So so tell everybody about that. Yeah, so this this road program, this, this is Camerata's uh, regional online artist development program. So um, at Camerata, we're really committed to furthering the opportunities for music students and teachers throughout Queensland. And um, this is a really real focus on communities that we visit through our annual touring program. Um, the program is currently being trialled and it establishes a pathway to support the development of young artists we meet on the road. So our um, principal bassist, um, double bassist, Marion Heckenberg, is currently running specialised double bass lessons um, online um, with a handful of students, uh, five students and their teachers. And um, these are based in Bundaberg, um, Childers and Gladstone. Um, and Bundaberg was one of the regions that we toured to last year. Um, and so the teacher there actually also had a couple of students that she thought in, in other places that um, she recommended to Marion that um, would really benefit from specialist bass lessons. Um, and um, so hopefully we're going to be able to um, uh, roll this program out on an ongoing basis in the future. Um, and um, I just spoke to Marion uh, earlier today and uh, she says it's going really well. And she has seen that, um, you know, students um, gain confidence in um, preparing for exams and uh, having the confidence to apply for sort of holiday programs in Brisbane so at the Queensland Conservatorium and things like that. So she's seeing some really um, positive results out of that. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. And it is good being so responsive to the need, particularly of um, students and teachers in remote and regional Queensland yeah, as well. Yeah, and that's right. So, um, you know, often often the music teacher in one of these towns may not even actually play a string instrument and they're having to teach strings. Um, but even for me, um, as a violinist and violist, like the double bass is an enigma. It's a mystery to me. So <laughs> to have someone like Marion giving you all these like wonderful tips and insights on just really simple things to do on how to teach your, your students that this would be completely invaluable. Yeah. Really. yeah. And she's wonderful. Yeah, she is. Shout out to Marion yeah. if you're listening. <laughs> we love Marion. <laughs> so bringing things back to um, our home base here in Brisbane, um, but still staying with education, um, Camerata also runs an emerging artist program, which many, many organisations do. Their program is called Upbeat. It's been running since 2016 and is designed to support the education of emerging string players by creating pathways and experience in the industry and providing an opportunity to work alongside Camerata's artistic associates. So I can imagine the benefits, um, the massive benefits that are for the participants of that program, but I imagine mm. there's also great benefits for the ensemble as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, look, I, th I think for, for the participants, um, it's just really wonderful that they can have that experience of 
um, performing in a professional ensemble. Um, and it's actually when you when you chat to them, sort of asking them what the reasons are behind um, auditioning for the program, um, they love the the programs that Camerata presents. Um, they they just love that the the energy of the ensemble and the versatility of the ensemble um, in not just playing traditional classical concerts um, and just also that cross um, art form. So when we collaborate with um, with dance, with contemporary um, dance and ballet and opera and uh, residencies in art galleries is something that they they um, a lot of the upbeat participants really are into. Um, and for me, I, I just really think that it's in Camerata we we do value each individual's voice, um, and the upbeat players just come up with some really wonderful and fresh insights um, during all our rehearsal seasons. So it's it's really valuable having them um, and also knowing that the future is really bright um, with with string playing um, in, in Brisbane and Queensland. Yeah, of course, because it's that ongoing kind of legacy that everyone wants to leave that's, as well yeah, to ensure right. that all the young ones come through um, <laughs> when we're all old and grey. That's right. <laughs> so... Speaking of teachers, and we'll have a lot of teachers listening, what do you think the biggest challenges are for teachers in the delivery of music programs in schools? Yeah, that's a (laughs) a big question. question. (laughs) It's a big question. Um, uh, Sometimes I feel like one of the biggest challenges we face is the value society puts into what we do. Um, So as you know, in a past life, I used to be a pharmacist. So scientific evidence is very important to me. Um, And now there's almost three decades of research uh, into the massive benefits of learning a musical instrument in brain development. So it's a, it's the scientists have found it's a cognitively unique uh, activity um, and they haven't found any other activity so far that rivals music. Um, And it's been found that the corpus callosum, so this is the the bundle of nerve fibres that join the two hemispheres, um, is much bigger in musicians' brains um, than compared to people who've never learnt a musical instrument. Um, And the brain is actually 130% more dense in a musician's brain. Um, uh, So that actually means that um, the connectivity connectivity in the brain is is greater. So... um, I found a peer-reviewed research paper um, last year. It was in June 2019. uh, And this was in the Journal of Educational uh, Psychology. And it researched over 110,000 students in Canada. And that's just a huge, huge sample size. Um, And it was controlled for previous academic achievement, gender, cultural background, and neighbourhood socioeconomic status. And this paper analysed the results of um, music students' academic achievement in English, maths and science compared to students who didn't participate in any music program. And the results found that these students, um, the students who were highly engaged in music, were on average academically one year ahead of all the other students who didn't learn a musical instrument. Um, So, like, you know, the value of music is definitely there. But, uh, you know, having said that as well, it's not just that music, we do music for that reason, to, to get better at English, maths and science. It's a beautiful art form in itself um, and it gives us the ability to connect with people. Um, it gives us greater empathy and sensitivity to emotions and it unleashes creativity. So, um, you know, some people see music as a non-essential activity, but it just isn't. It simply isn't. And sometimes I find music teachers really struggle with schools and um, parents thinking that music simply is just a leisure activity. Yeah. 
It's definitely not. Now, I did do 13 years of piano and still can't do mathematics. So obviously, <laughs> um, you know, no one interviewed me for that, that study. But So I'm not the control, that's for sure. So with um, for teachers, do you think that um, the, the, the difficulties are, are different for te- depending on geography, so metro areas versus regional areas? Mm. Do you think that there's a difference there? Um, look, I think from my experience or our experience, even um, what I just spoke about, um, you see, ev- you can see everywhere. You can find that in in, in schools and 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 attitudes with with parents um, and people. Um, but obviously, I, I obviously for regional areas, it's that isolated location which can pose the real challenge. So uh, limited resources. Um, some towns not even having a music teacher um, or being able to retain a, a music teacher because sometimes the teachers are doing their training and they may not stay after after they've um, done their years there. Um, yeah, so... And then also just what I was talking about before, going to a concert um, or a show, is those opportunities are few and far between for, for, um, for students in regional areas. Um, yeah. On the other hand, look, I think in metro areas, students are, are, are oversaturated with things. So sometimes um, the students in metro areas don't take advantage of all those wonderful opportunities that they practice, have. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. And so linking um, linking things to careers, I suppose, and linking teaching to industry. What would be your advice for teachers to support their students looking for a professional career? Yeah, um, I think students should just be encouraged. Those students who who are looking for a professional career, they should just be encouraged to immerse themselves in music. So um, whether that's participating in workshops or masterclasses or programs like QAO or AYO or SHEP or AHEP um, that's run at the con, um, going to as many concerts as possible um, just to light the spark in in these aspiring young musicians. Um, yeah, getting them to perform as much as possible, I think, is really important as well, um, even if it's just a mum or dad or the pet dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and for teachers, um, I feel teachers, um, yeah, and I hope that everyone feels like we're all lifelong learners. We're always trying to learn um, and to, to better our craft and, and, and what we do. Um, so do as much PD as possible. Um, organisations like the Australian Strings Association um, who engage experts in their field um, uh, to share their knowledge. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel um, also to be able to to sust- to have a sustainable career as a musician, um, students know they not only need to be able to play their instrument, obviously, but they need to be able to be someone who people want to work with um, and have a good business sense and know how... Um, society is changing in the ways we connect and I, I guess COVID, the recent COVID um, outbreak has, has definitely highlighted that fact Yeah, as definitely. Well. Mm. Now a parent, a friend of mine has actually asked me to ask you this question. <laughs> so the scenario is how do you or what's your advice for parents in particular but also for teachers who have these amazing kids who love music but one week they want to play the viola and they do that for a year and then they want to do saxophone and then they want to do double bass and so as a parent I'm a parent so as a parent you just sit there and go I've just paid for a year of viola lessons and now you want to play the double bass (laughs) I only have a golf you're not playing the double bass but that what's the it's a fine line I think 
with curbing enthusiasm and making children commit. So have you found that in your practice as a teacher as well? You've got children who are so excited and and into things and want to then one minute play saxophone, one minute play the violin. But what's your advice in that area? And this is for my friend. (laughs) This is for your friend. (laughs) Possibly your youngest daughter. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's for a friend. No, oh, we've been through the gamut too. But yes, no, exactly right. Like what, because you don't, as a parent, you don't want to hold back. It's easier, Mm. I think, as a parent, if you've had a musical journey yourself, but very daunting for those parents who never did a musical instrument. And so it's new territory for them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a, that's a tough question. Um, uh, look, I th- also another one of the challenge, uh, challenges I feel that teachers are facing is that um, a lot of young children these days um, just want to do everything. Um, not only just try everything, but just do everything at once too. Um, sort of like this whole jack of all trades and master of none type thing. Um, so uh, it's, um, I think... Look, you just need the time to invest in something um, to give it a go, and and let's fight, let's face it, as as part of the enjoyment of doing something is and satisfaction that you get from doing something is getting better at it and and feeling like you're improving, um, and yeah, sometimes not having that time means that you're excited for a bit and then that um, shine wears off. Um, and if you haven't put that, that time in to, 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 you know, be able to master that little technique or, you know, that scale or that little section of that piece, then um, unfortunately, um, yeah, that, that activity can kind of slip away. Um, yeah, look, so having said that as well, um, on the other hand, there are those rare opportunities where students um, will try, you know, almost all the instruments and they will finally find the one that they have a natural affinity for and they just flourish. And I have seen that before, um, yeah, in, in students that I've, I've taught or maybe not taught uh, one-on-one but uh, perhaps taught in a year three or four strings program where they've gone on and tried a different instrument and then they're just flourishing on, on, yeah. on one that they've tried. But, yeah, I, I think... Patience, st- parents, pa- patience. Yeah, <laughs> stickability is something I think to really, really try and nurture in children as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, not to give up when when that shine goes, or when you're faced with with a little bit of hard work, or you know, the learning pit. Um, at the school, I talk about if you if you find yourself in the learning pit, um, don't you just must give up. still have so. that yourself as a player. You must still have those moments oh, where yeah, you yeah. just have to dig pretty deep. Oh yes, look at <laughs> um, the the whole lockdown isolation thing that. That yeah, that was a that was kind of I found myself in a pit during that time, um, where I was like, oh, do not make any big decisions <laughs> because you you know this is a really tough time and you should not be making any any rash decisions. Don't do online shopping, <laughs> yeah, unless you're really sure. <laughs> that, that's all right. <laughs> Mind you, Johnny's wearing a jumper today, which was a COVID purchase. It's it's very nice, so that <laughs> one gets a tick of approval. <laughs> So speaking of COVID um, and what, oh my gosh, I don't think you could have written a script for this time that we've been through. And I think um, teachers, they all deserve a holiday to Fiji. I think that should be the government's <laughs> next stimulus package because teachers have, of mm. in all areas, have gone above and beyond. 
For you, what was teaching like during, well, we're still in it, of course, but during the real strict lockdown yeah. time, how has the landscape changed for you? How did you find it? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'll firstly say that I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to provide continu- continuity of learning for, my stu- for all my students, um, my private students at home and, and my students at, at St Margaret's, including uh, ensemble work. In such a god topsy turvy time, it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm really grateful for that, but I will I will say I'm I'm exhausted. I'm yeah. really really tired. Um, and and there's a reason why teachers get long holidays. People complain about teachers having these massive long holidays, and look, I think many p- parents realise after this lockdown that um, you know teachers do do a really really. Did they did do such hard work during during term times, and and they we need downtime. So so in those two week holiday, the two week holiday I had, I literally spent all day every day in front of my laptop researching um, how to use all the different technology I needed to use to teach, um, doing PD on conducting ensemble rehearsals, planning, recording guide tracks, working out completely different ways of teaching. Um, so, uh, I think, um, <laughs> it is, it's so, just so exhausting. Now, uh, Camerata, like Camerata's performed, um, school shows. So we do school shows on our regional tours, but we've actually done a few, quite a few shows in distance education schools, um, where, where we've crammed the whole orchestra into one of those small little teaching booths and people are playing underneath. Uh, and on top of each other, cellists are sitting on the floor. Um, and so I've been at the control desk sort of presenting and, and doing the PowerPoint I've done up for the show. Um, and, you know, but these past few months have really given me greater respect for these amazing distance ed teachers who are just so creative in how they deliver their content remotely um, and just the amazing job they are doing in such a challenging platform. Um, I... I, I to be honest, I don't know if I would be able to do that myself mm. after after you know that whole period sitting in front of a computer teaching and. <laughs> I know I was thinking there's all these parents. I was one of them freaking out, going, "Oh my gosh, we've got the kids at home." Then there's all these parents in like remote and regional Queensland who go, "Get in line. We've been doing this for <laughs> we've been doing this for years." Like yeah. they may have a governess, but. And, and, of course, some – I know I've heard of some students who do things via phone in really remote areas where they don't even have any conferencing facilities or anything that's, like that. That's right, yes. So that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So we are spoilt. We are. Um, but, look, I, I must say I, um, I – I do have a whole new appreciation for teachers. I do have a lot of friends who are teachers and, and um, you know, it's not a nine-to-three job, absolutely not. Mm. They're always marking and doing all kinds of things. But I think now community-wide, I think everyone now has a wonderful appreciation for teachers and, and many parents are sure that they never want to be a teacher again. <laughs> um, so, yes, yes. yes, but look, you know, all I think it's been an, it's also been an amazing time um, to get set up properly at home and things like that so it has definitely had its benefits but um yes go back to school that's that's my (laughs) motto Uh, so speaking of um your career and the learnings that you've had I know you mentioned before you're very invested in the idea of lifelong learning which is a, a wonderful attitude to have 
Who are the individuals for you throughout your journey that have made a difference? Mentors, um, people who have influenced you, whether whether they're from a musical background or not. Mm, mm. So I had um, many inspiring private teachers. So um, Marcia Cox and Spiros Rantos on for violin, and um, I started piano with Jared Brown, and then um, learnt with Kevin Power, um, and I. I yeah, just um, look back on all of those lessons and all of that learning um, really, really fondly. Um, and uh, Theo Kotsis um, was my string orchestra um, conductor during my high school years at Brisbane Boys College. Um, and, um, yeah, he was, he was a brilliant teacher who, um, yeah, not only taught me a lot um, musically but just as a person as well. Um, and then another amazing mentor um, in the music realm was um, John Kuro, who was the founder of um, Queensland Youth Orchestra, um, who sadly passed away last year. Um, but some of my most treasured memories and, and beautiful friendships um, I made are from my time playing um, in those orchestras. Um, I also had a wonderful um, uh, classroom music teacher in primary school, um, Teresa Laird, um, uh, who... I think also really just sparked a, a, a real passion and love for music. Um, yeah, so... Um, so you can never underestimate even the very first beginnings of these things. That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel, I feel like those people have, have really... You know, I would not be where I am without, without the guidance and, and amazing um, teaching abilities of, of these, these people. Mm. And of course, John Kuro, he certainly passed on his love of music to his two daughters, Monica and Sarah Kuro, who are yes. amazing, amazing yeah. artists. They are, and we were so lucky before COVID to be able to um, have them as, as guest artists in one of our subscription series concerts. Yeah, yeah it was an amazing yeah. concert. So what advice do you have for students who are listening, maybe to this podcast, who are passionate about music and want to pursue a career like what are their options um when they're when they're learning to do exams to not do exams like what what are the best or what what advice would you have for someone who really knows that this is what they want to do professionally yeah look practice 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 that's the first thing yes. yeah first thing um but i kind of alluded to this earlier it's not just about being a great technician on your instrument um you do need to be able to know how to sustain a career um, financially, how you can make um, how you can make a difference in the world, and how you can maintain your skills, and also how to look after yourself physically and mentally um, in the industry. Um, uh, I always encourage my students to find ways where you can connect with others with your music. Know, to be able to meaningfully say something when you're playing or, or play with feeling. Um, so um, that, that connection, I think, is really important um, and it can um, uh, differentiate you from someone who might, just, who might be able to play everything absolutely perfectly, technically perfectly, um, but um, the heart's not there, if that, make, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Touching on what you said about taking care of yourself, certainly before I started working for Camerata, which is the first orchestra I've worked for, I definitely didn't understand how uh, musicians can get injuries. Like sports, oh. sportsmen, I, I've been, I, I never knew that. So definitely taking care of yourself, um, especially like back, yeah. <laughs> back injuries. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's been a real surprise to me how, um, 
how that can happen. So yes. taking care of yourself is a really important thing. So probably good habits from a young age is essential. That's that's right. And, and it's something um, that can often be neglected um, when, when, we're, when we're teaching. Um, uh, but it's, it's just so important because, you know, I've had so many friends who have had debilitating injuries and they just have had to give up. And it's just, it's heartbreaking um, um, to see that. So... Um, yeah, the physical injuries and also obviously mental health as well is is it can be it can be quite a high pressure um, uh, industry. Um, so you know, being able to look after yourself that way too is really important. So definitely, yeah. and it's probably wonderful when you do collaborate with other artists to kind of have that family around you to kind of take care of each other as well, That's right. which is yes. nice. Yeah. So what is something you wish you knew at the very beginning? What's your top tip for everybody? <laughs> top tips. You can have more than one. Um, look, I person, personally, I wish I knew at a young age that, that I would be where I am now, um, immersing myself in music. So, um, you know, I feel sometimes all those lost years struggling to keep on top of my pharmacy studies and, and doing music. Um, at the same time, um, you know, if I, if I knew that this is where I'd be, maybe it might have been a different a different path. Um, I know I don't regret doing my pharmacy degree. I absolutely love that, and and I felt so like. Why did you do that? We actually didn't touch on oh, no. that. <laughs> which is you snuck that one in. Why did you do a pharmacy degree when possibly music? You, did you know at that time music was where you wanted to go, or not? Not necessarily. Not, not necessarily. Not at the time. Um, I loved music. I absolutely loved music. Um, I the initial reason why I did pharmacy was as a, as a pre med. So when I when I was going through high school, um, it it was a po- medicine was a postgraduate. So pharmacy I thought would be the perfect pre med degree to do because you learn about all the drugs and you need to know that as a doctor as well. Um, and then I once I finished um, my four years of study and. Um, I did my pre-registration year as well. Um, I just thought, oh, I might just work for a bit before I go back to uni and, and pursue medicine. Um, but during all through all through my degree, pharmacy degree, I was doing so much music, and it was always there. So, um, and it, it really definitely took over once once I got out and working for a bit and went part-time. and I'm sure your mother was relieved you got a degree too in pharmacy. <laughs> Just a little fallback. That's, that's right. That's and right. Um, he is handy to have on tour when people are ill and you need to know what drugs to go and get from the <laughs> that's chemist. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so obviously we've come to the – well, hopefully we're coming to the end of the COVID situation and there's some silver linings in our future and hopefully we'll see Camerata and all the other – wonderful groups performing again soon all of our dance companies and and Mm -hmm. everyone and Mm -hmm. get the arts rolling again um how has COVID changed what Camerata has done during this time yeah um so look this this past the past lockdown time and all of this the situation it really um has highlighted to me that that us as humans we need to connect we just need to connect and um, what really blew my mind was that we were able to achieve that in isolation um, and Camerata was involved in um, 10 weeks um, of, of a show called The Isolate Late Show uh, which was by the Little Red Company 
Um, so this was like a variety show that was um, streamed on, on Facebook on a Friday night. Um, and so uh, a quintet from Camerata, um, we, we all um, were given our charts and, and um, did our own recordings, audio recordings and video recordings and amazing um, audio and video engineers um, stitch it all together. Uh, and we got to basically perform, in inverted commas, um, with these amazing singers, including Naomi Price and Luke Kennedy. So um, that really gave me um, a wonderful sense of direction um, after being so sad that our entire <laughs> rest of the year was gone. Um, yeah, and um, so that was really a lot of fun, actually. Um, and Camerata has also been able to... Um, uh, we've also been doing something called Camerata's Five at Five, uh, where our artists have done ISO performances from home. Um, and that's been broadcast on our Facebook page, um, 5 p.m. every weekday. And there's been some really um, beautiful performances with that. And we're, we're able to continue to connect with our audiences in a, on a different platform. Um, and that, that's been really, really special. Uh, and hopefully our audiences have been able to get to know our players as well through that process too. Um, yeah. Definitely that technology advancement that we've all had to either join or or get on board for that's one thing COVID has has brought I think I think a lot of organizations were already doing a lot of online activity Mm. as well but for everyone we really had to step up to be able to do that to continue those connections with our audiences and our Mm. supporters so that's actually one really great thing I think that's come out of this situation is that we've we've upskilled and um and I think everybody has done that and certainly Camerata's five at five you can see that journey everybody's taken from perhaps the very first Mm -hmm. episode right through till people are getting quite savvy with um the software that they're using and (laughs) and all of that so it's kind of exciting um for as as someone to watch that to kind of see that develop as well mm. but it's still mm. got a sense of um of being very authentic and and yes. very natural so it's kind of that fine line between not overproducing it as well as um kind of getting it out there so yeah. it has yeah. fr- from that perspective um i'm now excellent with iMovie can i just say <laughs> move over <laughs> move too. over steven spielberg that's <laughs> all i can say johnny it's been so delightful talking to you t- today thank you for your time oh, um you. it's uh wonderful to kind of be able to pick your brains and um, for teachers especially who are listening to this podcast, you can connect with Johnny through your APADA member dashboard and you can learn more about Camerata Queensland's Chamber Orchestra by visiting their website www.camerata.net.au and you can also find Camerata on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you very much for putting up with me today on my first ever Uh, podcast. I think I need to go and hand my resume into a radio station now. So I'm off to do that. So (laughs) thank you. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you all soon. Thank you.